you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. You know that feeling when you walk into your home, take a deep breath, and feel new? Well, that's what it's like to use Clorox Sentiva. Because Clorox Sentiva smells like coconut, cleans like Clorox, and feels like energy. It'll elevate any cleaning routine to not just clean, but also make every room smell like a tropical coconut getaway. Discover how Clorox Sentiva's powerful clean and refreshing scents can transform your space. Get yours in coconut or other fabulous scents at a nearby retail store. I'm so excited to tell you JCPenney and country music singer-songwriter Walker Hayes are partnering together on a new limited-time men's collection for the everyday guy. What I love about Walker Hayes is his laid-back nature. He's a family man and being a country megastar while also having seven kids. You know he likes to keep his style cool and casual. This new collection is perfect for the guy living the t-shirt life or someone wanting some fresh options that feel just as good. It's easy to wear, affordable styles that celebrate the ultimate family man, along with the quality, durability, and sensibility dads appreciate. Available online Saturday, May 4th at jcp.com and in-store Thursday, May 16th. Just in time for Father's Day. Limited time only. JCPenney, make it count. Hey, everybody. Whether you ride a bike or a bronc or a skateboard, Wrangler jeans are for you. Classic or modern styles, a range of fits, all price points, vintage re-releases. Wrangler has something for everyone. Wes, I could think of a young Chris Wessling in the east side of Cincinnati rocking some Wrangler. Oh, yeah, when I'm out riding fences. Visit Wrangler.com and check out their selection of jeans, shirts, and outerwear for men and women. New styles, great fits. Wrangler, real comfortable jeans. The Around the NFL Podcast has the vapors welcome back to another edition of the around the nfl podcast my name is dan hansis and i'm joined in a room filled with some heroes to my left chris wessling to my right oh my goodness oh it's my goodness. Lindsay Rhodes. what's up people hi. hey dan hi hi <laughs> we were testing out some new like uh communications uh right before the show holla Lindsay's throughout holla which <laughs> people know i'm bringing the er back holler i don't that fe- makes me feel like I'm in Kentucky and we're down in holler. <laughs> right? Uh, holler at me after school. Through Hill and Dale. Uh, wow. We – all right. Some housekeeping here. If you watched our the premiere of our Twitter show, which Lindsay obviously did. Obviously. A plus, A minus, mm. solid A, like where – Is there anything know? better than an A plus? Like can I do A plus, gold star? B minus is better. All of the above? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> thank you. You don't – what are you saying? The B minus, huh? B minus. Inside joke. It doesn't matter. Uh, okay. It's a Dan thing. Um, thank you for watching the Twitter show. That will be every Tuesday at 1.30 Pacific, 4.30 Eastern, something, something in the UK. I believe that's 9.30 p.m. in the UK. Yeah, so check that out. Uh, Greg is with his um, baby girl in Disneyland right now. Which is okay, nice dad work, but yeah, at the same time, say hello to Sydney Carlson for us. Yeah, say hi to La Cid, uh, who is undoubtedly in Disneyland right now, as she always is. And yes, Mark Sessler still not with us. Uh, Mr. Sessler, uh, uh, over the weekend, uh, was not feeling well when he woke up Sunday morning, uh, and it led to hospital visit. And uh, Mark seems to be okay now, and we're really happy about that. He's home, so everything is good. But we, we, we learned, Loose Cannon, that uh, The Quiet Storm has a an audio message for both the podcast mm. and the listeners. That sounds good. Hey, Let's guys. Hear. It's Mark. And perhaps you've noticed that I've not been on the show this week. Uh, or perhaps you've not noticed. That would make sense, too. Uh, just a quick update on Sunday. Went to uh, the emergency room with uh, pain in my chest. Not sure what it was, and found out that it was a reoccurrence of uh, blood clots in my lung. So not a total joyride for the most part. Uh, We'll be out this week, but I'll be back soon. And I would be remiss if I did not mention 
a little game on the horizon. Come Thursday night, the Browns hosting the New York Jets. The Cleveland Browns, who have not won a game in two or three million years, planning on Thursday night to square up against the Jets, look them in the eye, and knock them down. That's why I am going to lock it up. Seacrest wow. out. Seacrest out. <laughs> Man. It, it's a very tough situation. First of all. First of all, it's very serious. And very then he kind of called you to the carpet, didn't he? A little bit. But you know what? I've never been playing with more house money going into a game because I really do. Like Colleen was on our Twitter show and she was saying how it would be great for because she's going to be on the set to be there when the the streak ends, the, the winless streak. And now you got the Mark Health crisis, and he, the Browns really deserve a win. Are you rooting for the Browns? I'm, I will never go that far to root against the Jets, but if there ever was a game where I'll take it, I'll wear it and not have an issue with it, Wait, it's Thursday. What? Though you don't want to be the one team that loses to the care. Browns. The Steelers should have done it already. The Saints should have done it. There's no shame in losing to the Browns. I think they're a competitive team. Totally. If the Jets win, I'll be very happy because I'll be 2-1 and one and we're flying. If they lose, hey. It makes Mark's day better. And You're a very good a friend. Day. I think I am. I think that's what we take out of this, right? What What's the word? Palliative? It can have a palliative effect on palliative Mark. Oh, effect. are you seriously going to go make um, – okay, I'm Googling palliative. <laughs> Fine, I'll palliative, be the one. Palliative uh, effect on Mark's health. But, Mark, we love you. Take as much time as you need. But, yeah, come back. It's not the same without you. Yeah, that's love scary. That take guy. care of yourself. Uh, so um, – Get well soon. Mark, Will Brinson of CBS joining us a little bit later. But before that, let us do some news. All right, let's start with Josh Gordon, uh, Mark's favorite team. The Cleveland Browns uh, finally decided, and this this broke on Saturday night, that they, after Josh Gordon showed up uh, to a uh, practice late, uh, and they had some concerns, I think, about his sobriety or something. It was very kind of – Or something. Or something. Mm. There was they, something going on again. seemed out of character or off in some way, according to the plain dealer. Hmm. So they finally decide it's time to get rid of Josh Gordon after years of working uh, to see if they can make it work between player and team. Uh, they announce he's going to be waived, and then it becomes a situation where – uh, they're going to look to trade him. And what happens? On Monday, it's announced by the Browns that they trade well, uh, the wide receiver and a conditional 2019 seventh-round pick to the Patriots, the Patriots what? of all Shock. teams, Shocked. Shocked. Uh, for a 2019 fifth-rounder. So we're, we're a little late on this news, but we got to touch on it. Uh, Lindsay, start uh, – Well, uh, wait. Can we start with what this means for Mark? <laughs> oh, my God. I mean – I mean, Born it's Mark. already rough enough, right? And now he's going to have to drink bleach. Yeah. Like, <laughs> just that went viral. Mark, Mark, Mark saying uh, he texted Saturday night and obviously a distressed state. He texted that he would drink bleach if the uh, Browns traded Josh Gordon to the Patriots. For some reason, he threw the Jets in there, too, which felt like a shot at me. For like but a I'll year or two, go. right? Like, isn't it? I mean, or, <laughs> I mean there's like, something. yeah, there's a time frame. It's not just Until a one-time thing. And, and poor Mark, it ends up it might come going sooner than later. viral uh, to the point where, like, clowns like Darren Ravel are, are quote, retweeting, and it, it just becomes a whole thing. So what well, it I means mean, for Mark? I mean, to be fair, yeah. like, we did this to uh, Demarius Randall with the whole Jersey thing yeah. uh, in Cleveland. Yeah. He could just go that route and say that he was kidding, obviously, because he's he not was. interested in dying in the interest of the Browns. <laughs> Sometimes I wonder. Yeah. I, maybe it's best just to get off Twitter, all of us. <laughs> I See, I don't have these complications with Twitter that you guys do. I, I like I take it for what it is, but I understand why pe- why it gets annoying if you put something out there like that, that people are going to seize on it. I, when Mark comes back, we'll have to have a conversation about uh, his reaction to that. Well, I cannot he could always imagine. blame it on the health issues. Say but something was clearly off. Smart. When Mark right? tweets smart. that, he's tweeting it for his followers who know him and right. know it's clearly a joke. And then, like, Black Sports Online and Dan Ravel get a hold of it, and they have no idea who Mark is, and they see it as cherry-picking for clicks. He was joking, right? Of course he was joking. Good, good, good. Uh, <laughs> Although, I mean – the kernel of the story on this podcast is this has been Mark's ni- nightmare for four years. It has. Explain why. He has said this over and over again. Anytime we've talked about Josh Gordon in suspensions and the Browns finally giving up on him, his reservation every time is that Josh Gordon is going to get sober, join the Patriots, become an All-Pro, win the Super Bowl, and become the toast of the league, have the success that his Browns will never have. 
And that's what happened with Chris Carter years ago uh, when he, he got to the uh, Vikings from the Eagles. And we're all hoping that Josh Gordon is sober and stays sober. Uh, but you can understand why Browns friends would be frustrated, especially when there's no like proof necessarily or it's not out there that he actually did have any type of relapse. Did they just lose patience? And the, I think it's a great – find that hard – I mean, I, I, do too. You I don't think a grown person can believe that the Browns, after six years of patience, just said we he hurt his hamstring in a weird way. We're just going to throw in the towel. There has to be more to the story. Yeah. By the way, a hamstring that's now fully recovered and <laughs> he's ready to play this week for the Patriots. But um, I, I kind of look at it from a different point of view. I think that some of the moves that we've seen made in Cleveland this year feel very uh, different from moves that we've seen in Cleveland in years past. It feels like John Dorsey has has a firm grasp on where he wants this team to go and that he's kind of a no-nonsense type of guy and that while Hugh wants to give people second and third chances, as we saw in Hard Knocks, I, I feel like this might actually be a good sign for the future of the Cleveland Browns. And I understand why Browns fans would be completely afraid that he would be like the Super right. Bowl MVP at the end of the season. <laughs> um, but I still think that this is a good move for that particular franchise, which at some point you have to draw a line in the sand and say, this does not fly here anymore and you have to be – I uh, get that. You have to have that rule hard and fast across the board for they anyone to take you seriously. a ton of patience, and I thought it was telling on Hard Knocks uh, when Josh Gordon reappeared from another mysterious absence uh, near the end of training camp. Uh, Hugh Jackson, big smile on his face, kind of saddles up next to Todd Haley, the offensive yes. coordinator. He's like, you know, it was something along the lines of, he's back, he's back. And then Todd was like, well, you know, is he in shape? Or right. like, It seemed like Hugh was more excited about the specter of yes. what Josh Gordon could be, and everybody else was kind of like, well, you know, we'll see. That was totally my takeaway, too, yeah. that Todd was completely nonplussed. Yeah, exactly. So we'll see what happens. It's a, a high upside trade, I think, for the Patriots if it all connects. And we don't know if it will. Can he grasp the playbook? Can he stay on the straight and narrow? But if it all does work out, he's exactly what that team seems to be missing on offense, right, Wes? Yeah, I'm sure Bill Belichick watched the game Sunday night, the tape, and he saw how creative the Jacksonville Jaguars were in taking out Rob Gronkowski and how Tom Brady could not make them pay because Julian Edelman's suspended. Chris Hogan's not a number one receiver. Uh, Philip Dorsett's not a number one receiver. These guys aren't drawing double coverage or beating extra coverage or even beating single coverage a lot of the time. They needed a guy like Josh Gordon. And what's the downside? The draft, I think we all know the draft is about four rounds deep every year. It's You can get lottery tickets in the fifth, sixth, and seventh round, but there's not many starters coming out of those rounds. So what do you give up? We'll see how Very it all low risk. plays out. Moving on, drama around the uh, Pittsburgh Steelers. Can you hit me up with, like, you're a California born and bred woman. Yes. Can you hit me up with, like, a, almost like, I don't want to say Valley Girl. That's almost insulting to you. But how just, about, like, the up talk? Yeah, give me a little okay. up talk. Just give me something like drama, something like that. Like the recap of the story? Yeah, or? just give it give it to me. I don't know what they're doing in Pittsburgh, you guys. <laughs> Things are out of control. <laughs> Le'Veon Bell won't show up. AB's like, trade me. <laughs> and Ben is like, no, 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 guys. Look at me. Look at me. Let me say something to make you look at me. I'm hurt, too. My elbow hurts. <laughs> Very good. Good. Wow, that's impressive. Wow, I am impressed. That was if they ever reboot, and I think SNL has to say goodbye to the Californians, but if they ever reboot it. However, Rhodes, just the way 8H. they recap the way people talk about how they're getting to where they're going <laughs> is I, I don't yes. know that anyone outside of LA fully understands how genius that is. Yes. It, it, it is. So good. Um so that came really naturally to you. <laughs> <laughs> it was. It was very natural. It's it's lurking within. It's like when I, where I'm from the northeast, uh Certain people that are from, let's say, New England, uh, they work the, the that harsh New England accent out of their system through the years. But then if, after a couple of drinks, all of a sudden, like the R's disappear. Going right yeah. out. Yeah. Anyway, let's get Lindsay drunk, basically. And just <laughs> let her go all out with the old school accent. On the next Around the NFL <laughs> podcast. Uh, Antonio Brown, uh, some troll, former team employee, uh, kind of makes a comment. A.B. needs to thank his lucky stars because he was drafted by a team that had Ben, and Ben got A.B. paid. You know, d darn well he wouldn't put up those numbers for other teams. That was a tweet from this former employee of the team. Antonio Brown, uh, quote, retweets, trade me, let's find out. 
that leads to more drama around the 0-1-1 Steelers, who are already going through stuff. They couldn't beat the Browns. They don't have Lev, Lev Bell. And now, uh, to compound matters, Antonio Brown's not at the ne- next team practice. And this is what Antonio, uh, this is what Mike Tomlin had to say uh, about that situation. Um, I'm not going to openly talk about a lot of things that occur in social media. You could be chasing that always. I will say this: um, it's important um, that that we understand our position, uh, the light that shined on us, and the responsibility that comes with it. Uh, there's been a couple of instances now. Uh, where you've asked me about Antonio regarding some social media-like things, I'll address that and dr- address that very directly with him. But I'll leave that between he and I. He was not. No, I'm looking forward to visiting with him today and discussing that and some other things. I'm not going to get into the details of why he wasn't here or what he, whether he was excused and all of those things. Um, I just assume leave those things in-house. And, of course, Mike Tomlin, you'll note there, he didn't, say definitively that it was even an excused practice uh, for Antonio Brown, which further muddies the waters. I don't care what the agent says, Wes. It seems like there's a little smoke here. There is a lot of smoke. There's fire here. And to me, erase any connection to Le'Veon Bell. This is a separate story that goes back to last year and the year before. At the end of the 2016 season, do a Google search for Antonio Brown and pout or pouting, (laughs) and you'll see multiple stories that he was pouting because he wasn't getting the ball enough. He wasn't getting the ball on the right routes enough. So he started freelancing and doing his own route running. And if you'll remember, after that season, there was talk trade talk with the Steelers put up with him. And then last year, there is a disconnect between him and Big Ben. He was miffed about the way the national anthem controversy was held, that Big Ben in a team meeting did not want players kneeling, and Antonio Brown wanted to kneel. These two have issues going back a couple of years, and I think it's totally separate from Le'Veon Bell. Well, and Mike Garofolo reporting yesterday that he's upset about the way in which he's been targeted on the field. Like, he's not being targeted Downfield. on deep throws. Yeah, but he's the most targeted receiver in the NFL. And at a certain point, when you under you have to understand when you're the best receiver uh, in the NFL, like a lot of people think that he is, that you're going to draw a lot of uh, defenders, and that's just going to be your job. And then that works for the offense. Sometimes your numbers are going to go down as a result because then Juju Smith-Schuster is going to be open. And, uh, you know, Reggie Wayne uh, told us yesterday on Total Access, he dealt with that a lot when he was in Indianapolis. He played both roles. He was the guy who got the ball because Marvin was drawing defenders, and then later in his career, he was that guy who was the number one who drew defenders himself. So it kind of just goes with the territory. To me, all of this comes back to Mike Tomlin, though. Like, why do all of these stories continue to come out of Pittsburgh? And I really like him. I mean, he's got a swag, and he's got like a – he comes across as somebody who doesn't put up with any guff, but then – his players continue to put themselves in right. positions where they don't seem to know where the line is. Like Discipline seems to be an issue. And I realize that New England is a – like, they're a unicorn, right? Like, nobody else in the league operates this way, but you can't help but say, like, none of this would fly in New England. It just Ooh. wouldn't happen. Do you know why? So why is it that it happens in a place like Pittsburgh? We all have to kind of look at that at some point. In this specific instance, I think he's enabled and allowed to do this because he's more invested than the quarterback. And what I mean by invested is he works harder than any wide receiver in the league. He works hard, harder maybe than any wide receiver in history outside of Jerry Rice. He's invested in being great, maybe more than Big Ben is invested in being great. And I think that's where the frustration with Antonio Brown lies. Doesn't mean he should pout and run the wrong routes and be this outspoken, but I think it's a natural frustration. And maybe that's him. why, and I don't know, maybe Big Ben – on the surface, looks like he's not as invested. Maybe he's equally or more so. He could but, be. That's just my speculation. You wonder if that's how Antonio Brown feels, why he's unable to keep himself from being triggered by a tweet like that uh, when someone says Big Ben is basically Because he's never caught a touchdown from any Steelers backup quarterback when Big Ben's missed time. His production is minuscule when Big Ben's out. So I think it does strike a nerve with him. And you know what cures everything, though, guys? Winning. Winning. What's their schedule look like? They've got Ryan Fitzpatrick and the Buccaneers this week. At Tampa, home Baltimore, home Atlanta, at Cincinnati. That is not an easy schedule, and they could be in a little bit of trouble. But they also could easily win all four of those games. Let's take a hot minute to appreciate the fact that we just read off 
uh, Tampa Bay as a team that they're facing, and we went, ooh, gosh, that's a tough Nothing one. makes sense I don't anymore. know. That's I don't know if they're going to win that. <laughs> uh, moving on, the defending champions have their quarterback back. Carson Wentz cleared to return. We'll start week three versus the Indianapolis Colts. Doug Peterson said he's ready, ready to take <laughs> the reins and move forward. Problems solved. <laughs> Sunday will mark the first time Wentz sees the field since tearing his ACL and LCL in December of last year. Nick Foles started the first two games, Lindsey Rhodes, and uh, kind of looked like bad Nick Foles. Kind of. And I wondered on this podcast last week if the Eagles did not look good, would they be pressured to get Wentz back on the field sooner than they maybe would like to? We don't know. They'll never tell you whether or not this has been something that was accelerated based on the first two weeks, but it doesn't matter anyway. Wentz is back. Yeah, and uh, I mean, who knows? Who knows what to expect? If he comes out and he's Carson Wentz, uh, the guy that we saw when he left with his injury, then great. This is a great move. As soon as he's healthy, as soon as he can walk, I'd put him out back out on the field but sure. I, you know I don't know I, I haven't seen him in practice wouldn't you be I shocked mean, if he's like MVP candidate Carson Wentz right off the bat I don't know if that would shock me but it wouldn't shock me if he wasn't I, I mean know, not, I, I'm, not to just a degree, because I'm kind of, of expecting him to need to ease back in I mean he hasn't even been practicing fully he hasn't been cleared for contact until this past week so now it's like hey you can hit him go start play now yeah not just because of the injuries but they, their ground attack wasn't there last week. Right. Alshon Jeffries out. Mike Wallace got injured. Is on. I IR mean, Jordan now. Matthews back. So who's an entirely different receiver than the guy he's replacing? He's sort of like a bigger slot receiver, and Mike Wallace is a deep threat with speed, and they need that speed because they have very little playmaking ability right now. Uh, Jordan Matthew, by the way, his hamstring, which was a problem, and the reason that New England let him go in August, now fully healed miraculously also. It's funny how hamstrings, you know, get fixed. Is there a hamstring conspiracy? wide receiver. Aren't they supposed to be lingering? <laughs> I don't know, but Matthews is back. His career went off the rails as soon as he left Philly, where he spent his first three seasons, so we'll see if getting back in uh, Philly helps matters uh a former philly player deshaun jackson now making big plays in tampa with those unstoppable bucks fitz magic is back and guess what djax who never did really connect uh wes with Jameis winston in his first season with the bucks has connected in a big way with ryan fitzpatrick and he is now telling the press you can't take the hot guy out on and off the field he's He's got he's dressing Ryan Fitzpatrick after the games and he's already gotten two games as many deep catches from Ryan Fitzpatrick as he had all of last year with Jameis Winston. And to me this is a no-brainer. It's like Dak Prescott playing over Tony Romo or you know we talked about this on on the video show yesterday the Twitter show it's 20 year anniversary of the 98 season which saw Randall Cunningham, Vinny Testaverde and Doug Flutie come in as journeyman veterans and lead all three of those teams to the playoffs. Fitzpatrick can do that because this offense is loaded. Todd Monken is over overseeing the play calling. There's a lot more spacing. Receivers are running wide open. I, I think Fitzpatrick keeps this job all year. I, I certainly think that there's no question that he keeps it when Jameis is eligible to come back. I, I mean, I think he'd have to fall off a cliff, and it would take a few weeks of that in order for Jameis like to see the field again. Fall off a cliff. <laughs> That would be well. I wasn't pretty going big story. quite that uh, morose with my story, <laughs> but um, but yeah, I think Ryan Fitzpatrick is he's a guy who has nothing to lose, right? right? And so he's he can playing take like those that. chances. He's playing loose. Uh, I loved the post game, uh, yes. the get up thing. I, I just loved it. I loved what it meant for the locker room. I loved the message that it sent from a leadership standpoint. I loved that it's a quarterback who's not so aloof and separating himself from the group. I mean, it just sent so many subtle messages to me about you know what's what? going on there in Tampa Bay right now. I would ride that horse. You mm. know why people like Ryan Fitzpatrick? Because he's fun. And I during Fitzmagic, Fitzmagic in 2015 with the Jets, same thing. He, st he gets hot. He the, he's very good with the media, with his teammates, and he always is kind of a step back and kind of laughs at it all a little bit. He doesn't take things too seriously. He views I, it's almost like he views his entire career as just kind of like this funny thing that's happened to him that he never expected. So you kind of attach yourself to that because it is such a different vibe than you see in professional sports, not just football, the way he views things. Like that guy and Dirk Cutter, but oh, go ahead. Go. And 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 let's not forget, it's not like Jameis Winston was on sure footing 
before Ryan Fitzpatrick started playing well. I mean, Jameis, we talked uh, a lot in the offseason about whether or not they should definitely draft a quarterback uh, this April, no matter what happens with Jameis this season, because it just doesn't look like uh, he's making smart choices off the field or on the field as a, you know, from a quarterback standpoint. So it's not like we're replacing, you know, it's not Drew Bledsoe and all of a sudden Tom Brady is playing well. I mean, you have a, you have a shaky quarterback situation as it is. It's a long season and slumps happen, but I don't think he's going to be benched until an extended slump happens. Yeah. Uh, finally, the uh, kicker apocalypse of week two has cost people their jobs, as we imagined that would happen. Uh, the Vikings decided to move on from Daniel Carlson, their fifth round pick. Uh, Carlson took ownership of what was a miserable day against the Packers. He said, I let my team down. Uh, and this is this one surprised me a little bit. Here was uh, Mike Zimmer when he was act, asked about the decision to cut ties uh, with Carlson. Here's how he played it. What's the thinking on the move, or, or what went into the decision today to let Daniel Carlson go? Did you see the game? Okay. Was it, was it an easy decision? Yeah, it was pretty easy. Cold, uh, cold. Cold-blooded. Yeah. So cold-blooded, and it actually got on my radar, and I like Mike Zimmer a lot, uh, but uh, you would never say that about anybody else on the team, and it just it just shows that disconnect and, bla- you know, to be perfectly honest, like disrespect for a guy that's a professional that's going through something that probably is really crappy. I, di- I didn't like that at all. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, but on the other hand, <laughs> Dan Bailey strikes a blow for kickers. I've never seen this before. A kicker holds out for more money. He's not going to just sign with anyone. He's out there on the kicker circuit, and he demanded to get paid. He got $2 million. They didn't give him, like, the league minimum. He, he held out for money. Good for him. Yeah, no, that that's good. You don't you don't see you kickers have... ever with leverage, so he, he, he used it. Absolutely. The this second the most league. accurate kicker in history. The um, And he's on the streets, it's on the which st- is why you hold out for that yeah. $2 million because – Man, a kicker with leverage. Who, I just who didn't like that. Of? I didn't like. I, I am the kind of person. That. So this, uh, I, I root for the kicker. If it comes down to the, I mean, I don't have a, I don't have a. If if it's my team, like if it's USC, then I'm not rooting for the kicker to beat them at the end of the game. But right. every other game, I'm rooting for the kicker. Uh, and it doesn't matter what storyline I've been rooting for. If it comes down to it, I hate the idea that one guy is going to walk off the field after a 60 minute game in which so many things could have happened and so many people could have made plays to win it and everyone's going to say this person lost the game for us. I hate that that's the narrative that takes over. It just bugs me. We hear all the time that it's unfair that a kicker who's not involved, who's on the field for about 60 seconds of real time during a game, gets to decide the fates of the other 52 players and and the coaching staff. But it's also unfair how the position has evolved. Mm -hmm. Kicker was never meant to have like within 1.3 seconds of a swing of his leg, have the entire game resting on his shoulders. In 1982, Mark Mosley won MVP because nobody expected kickers to reliably come through in the clutch. He was a toe banger at the time. Now they're all soccer star kickers making 90% of their kicks. Toe banger, he says. I like that. It's just evolved in a way where you're expected to nail every kick, and that was never the purpose of the kicker in football. In uh, other news, the Browns, as expected, cut ties with Zane Gonzalez uh, and signed a new kicker. Greg his, Joseph? His Greg Joseph, who was on the uh, in camp with the Dolphins, didn't make the team, so maybe things will go better for Greg than it did for, for poor Zane. Uh, and the Rams also had to sign a kicker because their guy, Greg the Leg, uh, has an injury. Sam Fiken. Ficken? Fiken. Ficken. I think it's Ficken. Ficken. Uh, he, is, he is back in the league, so he, he will take uh, the place of Greg the Leg temporarily um, as he recovers from a groin injury. They've also, got a new Ficken kicker. <laughs> new Ficken kicker. <laughs> and by the way, um, uh, Hugh Jackson. Young Jeezy and that, that Ficken <laughs> kicker. Yeah. Uh, Hugh Jackson didn't uh, know of a, a a groin injury that Zane Gonzalez might have had. I, I don't know if that's the Browns' fault or or he hid the injury. But just too many of these stories around the Browns. I don't know why Josh Gordon actually started the game when he wasn't supposed to start. Right. I didn't know the kicker was this. I didn't know this. I didn't know that. Hugh, come on, at a certain yeah. point. And and finally in Win kicker news, that's how they do things around there. Yeah. Uh, finally in kicker news. Uh, I, did, I do have a, a prop, a sandwich prop, uh, Lindsay, with Greg Rosenthal, that my boy, Kai Forbath, would get a job out of all this madness. 
Kai's still on the couch, so Daddy's gonna have to pay out a sandwich, and I ain't happy about it. Hey, there's still a few days. <laughs> someone could pull a hamstring. That's all I got now. I have a few days for someone to get hurt, and I, I'm not. I'm not gonna do that. I'm not that guy. That. I don't no. root for that. So I'll, I'll just pay up the sandwich. I'll pay up, and that will be it. Uh, that's what's happening in the news. All right. Okay. Before we get to uh, our boy uh, Will Brinson uh, from CBS, we need we have Lindsay here. So. Uh, if you remember the last time Lindsay was here in the spring, uh, we took advantage of her expert abilities to read Total Access, which is the flagship program of NFL Network, airs six times a week at 7 p.m. Eastern. Nailed That's right. It. Kind of <laughs> I love that you're like, <laughs> like question mark. <laughs> yeah. Lindsay, Lindsay hosts that program with Scott Hansen. So uh, part of your gig, Lindsay, of course, is that you – uh, do the promos, or as you have taught me, topicals. Okay, yes, that's what we call them. So while we're using jargon, before we kiss you off, we need to – that's that's jargon, everybody. Oh, you're like a professional TV person <laughs> now. Uh, let's do some uh, topicals, TA topicals, from the future with Lindsay Rhodes. And if you don't know what the hell I'm talking about, this is what a topical sounds like. Just two days away from the first game of week three, will it be win number one for Cleveland? We've got your Thursday night look ahead, straight ahead on NFL Total Access. What a pro! <laughs> <laughs> All right, so here are some topicals from the future, some promos from the future I have in my hand. This is what you read off sometimes, or is it That's a prompter? It. What do yeah, you do? No, the, yeah, that card. Number one. Here we go. Wait for the music. Okay. Tonight on NFL Total Access, the Cardinals and Bills decide to combine teams to field a competitive single entity for a balance of the season. For the balance of the season. I'm a professional reader. <laughs> Sean McDermott and Steve Wilkes will fight to the death for the right to be head coach live on the Kyle Brandt Football Experience. Plus, Matt Prater is in studio to explain why place kickers are the only real men left in this world. Tonight, 7 Eastern. All right, very good. A little beefy. Maybe I should have an edit. It's the music loops. <laughs> exactly. Okay, we'll keep playing from the beginning again. All right, let's try this one. This one's a little bit shorter and okay. a, a decent read, but, but poor writing mostly. Go ahead. Tonight on NFL Total Access, the Browns make it official. The last 20 years have been an extended Truman Show-style social experiment targeted at Los Angeles-based sports writer Mark Sessler. Gotcha, bud. Plus, Matt Prater is in studio to discuss why he prefers his Jules sous vide to any other cooking product on the market right now. Tonight, 7 Eastern. <laughs> A lot of Prater love. <laughs> We're just like, you know, the kickers are in the news. Let's just go with that. I mean, you got to get Prater. It's the only kicker an earring. Oh, uh, Prater's in this one, too. All right, last one. Tonight on NFL Total Access, dogs can walk now. They're talking a little bit, too. How will this news affect the Browns on Thursday night football against the Jets? Plus, Matt Prater in studio for a discussion on how the dog news changes the dynamic of the master. <laughs> of the master pet relationship tonight, 7 Eastern. Do dogs not already walk? <laughs> uh, like, upright. Dogs walking upright. upright. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Look at him. Look at Like looking at this critically. Yeah. I was like, wait, since when do dogs not walk? Okay, fine, Wes. Then focus on the talking part. All right. We'll, we'll edit the copy, Wes. Walk Jeez. on their hind legs. Dogs are now bipedal. Um, uh, uh, the live Twitter show, by the way, B minus. I was lying. <laughs> what a, what a Thank you. <laughs> um, Lindsay Rhodes, you've done it again. You came in here and you, you changed everything. Are you sweating? A little bit. <laughs> He's like wiping his forehead as if. Oh, it's going. Am on. I making you nervous? You make me nervous. Um, <laughs> she is the host of Total Access. She is a stalwart around here. Stalwart. Monday through Friday, 7 Eastern. Monday through Friday. Tonight Fridays. on NFL Total Access, 7 Eastern. <laughs> At Lindsay Rhodes on Twitter. And <laughs> is that right? Is, it, is there I think it's Lindsay right? underscore Rhodes. And uh, the best damn Valley Girl accent wow. in the game right now. Thanks, Dan. <laughs> it's too real. <laughs> you posted that photo on Instagram recently from your cheerleading days. <laughs> At El Toro. And now I have the image of what you looked like and what you sounded like. I did not sound like that. We Were didn't talk like rat? that in Orange County. 
Um, I think everybody to a degree was a mall rat. Yeah, like in the California. late eighties. Yeah. yeah, I'm like, where else are you gonna go hang mm-hmm. out? All right, Lindsay, thank you. Bye, guys. Bye, Lindsay. Let's take a moment to hear from our sponsor. You may or may not have heard, but Lowe's is the new home of Craftsman, which means that at Lowe's you'll find an ever-growing selection of mechanics tools, tool storage, and more in store and online, ready to help tackle projects throughout your home. If one of those projects happens to be in a really tight space to get to, then you definitely need to check out the 120 tooth ratchet it has a three degree arcs arc swing you guys don't you know what that does you got to know by now Wes. it's uh it really helps the escapability and maneuverability of the object that, that's actually absolutely correct uh, a three degree arc swing means you can tighten or loosen uh bolts with less movement in those hard to reach spots that should make it easy to tackle any auto or diy project on your list Plus, they come in gunmetal chrome. That's manly. Uh, that's not only sharp looking, it makes them corrosion resistant. Cool, right? Shop the new home of Craftsman today at Lowe's.com slash around. That's Lowe's.com slash around. All right. So we have kissed off Lindsay professionally. And now we will welcome in another wonderful human being. Uh, you know him uh, from his noted Twitter feed. Uh, you know him from his writings on CBS Sports and his daily podcast, which is called The Pick Six Podcast. The Pick uh, Six I- Podcast. I should have known it. I'm a bad host. It's Will Brinson. What's up, buddy? Welcome to the Around the NFL Podcast. Well, I thought you were actually setting me up to to dive in on it, Dan. It sounded like a good hosting <laughs> job. You, you told on yourself there. I I, I've had uh, I've got I think I've got like three quarters of the heroes on so far. Wes, we'll have to get you on to, to chat football and. And what is it? Sheck calls it the game of life at some point. Oh, yeah. Anytime. <laughs> Sheck has one of my favorite Sheckisms. You're, you're not just surviving. The goal is to live. L-I-V-I-N, baby. <laughs> Very true. Will is a longtime friend of the show. And uh, we thought, you know, it was time to, to have Will on with just Wes and I. So it's just going to be a three man weave here. And, and why not dig into as we look ahead to week three, uh, a segment we like to call. Things about 2018 that are way different than 2017. Pithy? Catchy? It is what it is. I mean, it's a Wednesday seg. Yeah. And we're doing our best. Will, uh, you are um, the guest, so you will kick it off for us. What is way different? I'll tell you what the the thing that struck me going back and watching some uh, NFL Game Pass that uh, nice. that is different. Wow. Yeah. Hey, you know well, – hey- NFL.com slash Game Pass, free seven-day trial right now. <laughs> oh, actually, if you go to NFL.com backslash pick six, you get a free seven-day trial, too. <laughs> this is some uh, good stuff. This is some sad stuff, but I'm enjoying it. <laughs> uh, no, I, I was watching the uh, Colts and Redskins game uh, this morning because I was trying to figure out how in Hades the Redskins just got their doors blown off from a, you know, basically – got outmanned by the the Colts who are supposed to be this weak soft team and I'll tell you what's different the Colts aren't weak the Colts are tough the Colts are nasty and the Colts have talent on both or at least hustle and energy on both sides of the line and in the trenches Quentin Nelson is a bad bad man guys and I know uh Wes I think we either tweeted or wrote about maybe uh Marcus Hunt They've been getting the, the, Matt Eberflus, the defensive coordinator, is getting maximum effort out of Marcus Hunt and Jabal Sheard. I think the Redskins have one of the best offensive lines in the league when they're healthy. And the Colts were getting consistent pressure on Alex Smith and getting a lot of push on the defensive side of the ball. And I was really, really surprised uh, by the effort from the Colts on both sides. And I think that one of the things that we sort of sleep on when we cover the NFL is the upgrade downgrade factor in coaching. Like, I think it's happening right now in Arizona. Steve Wilkes, a really good human being. I think he'll probably be a fine coach at some point. But a big downgrade right now from Bruce Arians. And the Colts coaching staff as a whole is a huge upgrade over what they had before. Yeah, I, you're talking about a Redskins team that bullied Arizona in week one, and then the Colts took it to them. Marcus Hunt is throwing people around, other human beings. He's just picking them up and moving them. Darius Leonard had 18 tackles in that game. He's a beast. The Colts aren't what people think they are. The, and Marcus Hunt, he joins Chris Hogan as maybe the – and I point, let me know if I'm missing anybody, but 
guys that were set up on Hard Knocks as to be kind of lovable underdogs or just kind of side characters that after kind of going underground for a couple of years have now emerged as actual players in the league. Like Hunt is a difference maker. Yeah, I mean, look, he's a what is he the, the is he Latvian or Estonian? I can't remember. He's I think, not I think the, he's Estonian, the yeah, Eastern Bloc. All the all those Eastern uh, Europeans look the same to me. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> the uh, no, I mean, look, he he was he was like this like oh this big guy who's making a transition from you know some like discus throwing or something like that into actually being a football player. I don't think he actually was a disc thrower, but shot putter something. Shot putter, yeah, exactly, right, 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 like or like an extra on Game of Thrones or something. <laughs> um, and, and he comes in and now he's developed into this guy who has gotten technique to go along with the raw strength he's throwing dudes around like you pointed out i think i think one of the guys too on that defense who's not as physical per se west that we could end up seeing make a major impact this year if he stays healthy is malik hooker even when you see like um uh, it was uh jameson crowder on an end around had a fumble and hooker just like he just he has he like is just attracted to the ball. Like he's just a ball hawk, a guy who knows how to go get it, and he immediately picks it up. And he's running. It got overturned, but you could just see the instincts of him uh, being able to make a difference. I, I think that this Colts team could. I mean, I I don't know if they can if they can. I want I want to hear this. Go out on a limb. <laughs> Do, Do it. it. Do, Do it. it. I mean, they're like, I mean, I, I they could win the division. Why not? They could win. The, I don't wow. think they will. They could finish. They could. They could definitely finish second in the division at this point, and it would not surprise me at all. Um, if Jacksonville were to suffer some injuries on defense, why not the Colts? Speaking of Frank Reich, give him credit for this. The Colts are number one in the NFL by a wide margin on third down offense. They've converted six more third downs than any other team, and are easily the highest percentage of third downs. Andrew Luck's getting the ball out quickly. Make he's not being like as vulnerable under pressure because he's not doing those deep dropbacks and they are moving the chains. All right, Wes, what do you got? What about 2008 has been way different than 2017? 2017. Did was I say eight? Two, 2008. <laughs> did I say? Just breeze past it. Yeah, forget it. 2018. <laughs> but 2008 that was an interesting year. You've got you've got Maroon Five on your mind. <laughs> Slightly less interesting because of Bernard Pollard that year. Right. That was the year he took out Tom Brady. But that's true. Last year, defenses gained a slight toehold on offenses. The passer rating for the first time in years dropped. This year, quarterbacks have an average passer rating over 100. Over 100. John Elway, a one of the greatest quarterbacks in history, retired with a career passer rating of 79.9. This is how easy it is to throw the ball in the NFL this year. And it's not just the sack roll, uh, the – putting your weight on a guy and, and pile driving him into the ground that you're not allowed to do that. It's not just the helmet roll. Quarterbacks are healthy. You have Aaron Rodgers, Deshaun Watson, Andrew Luck, who you didn't have last year. And you've got guys like Patrick Mahomes. It feels like last year with Romo retiring, Kaepernick being, I guess, cast out of the league or whatever. A few other guys, the best quarterbacks in the world weren't running NFL teams. And this year they are. Yeah. I think the opposite of what, we saw from last year, like it's week three and Carson Wentz is coming back. You know, it was like week three last year and we're losing quarterbacks right. left and right. Guys are, guys are getting injured. Guys are dropping down. Um, I know that Chase Stewart had tweeted out something about the, the pass rating. And, and I think too, like the other thing that's interesting about that Wes is we've now seen a proliferation of Andy Reed disciples sort of floating across the NFL, right? I mean, I know Frank Reich isn't one per se, but he, he came, you know, he was the OC under Doug Peterson, who was the OC under Reed. And then he had Matt Nagy, even defensive guys like Sean McDermott and Ron Rivera. And, and Andy Reed has, you know, always operated the West coast system. He sort he sort of seems to be moving away from it this year a little bit, but it's, I think that you have. It's sort of morphed into something else, right? Like it's the West coast yeah. plus college concepts. Yeah, exactly. And it's, and I think that, these college concepts that you talk about are designed to improve completion percentage. And that's why we're sort of seeing this spike. Like it's a combination of the talent coming in with the quarterbacks and the schemes that these guys are running. Well, yeah, that's, that's another new thing about 2018, how much running backs are being used in the passing game more than ever. Like uh, there's guys like Saquon Barkley getting 15 targets. That's so unusual to see a running back use that much. Is it making the offenses better? In the, like with the Giants as an example, he's getting 15 targets <laughs> but averaging uh, less than five yards of reception. I guess it's still have to use them in a way that makes the offense better. Right. I think you'd have to take it on a case-by-case basis. And the Giants right now just have a check-down offense. Yikes. Speaking of offenses that don't get you excited, uh, Wes, you and I, and I think a lot of people, 
um, saw the changing of the guard in the NFC uh, occur on December 17th of 2017. That's when the Rams uh, went to the clink and destroyed the Seahawks. So I think we've known for a while that maybe the Seahawks uh, window closed as and it was open for a long time and almost incredibly they only got one ring out of it and if you're a Seahawks fan you're excited and and you look back fondly and wistfully on that run but also a little bit of what if that you never can get back that sucks however what's different about 2018 to 2017 this time last year and that's kind of how I looked at this uh, segment was uh, early in 2017 the Seahawks were still had their core together they got off to a one and one start, and you weren't sure what team they would be, but you kind of thought they were going to figure it out and, again, be a team in the NFC uh, that, to be reckoned with. At the start of 2018, two weeks in, I don't think there's any question that the Seahawks are an also-ran, that the Seahawks are an, a, a rebuild, and you see it on both sides of the ball. I was borderline depressed watching Monday Night Football because it, it gave me like an acid flashback of watching Brian Schottenheimer's offenses with the Jets Oof. in uh, the turn of this decade when uh, this was, you know, uh, 2012 Jets, Mark Sanchez, three and outs that happened in 35 seconds. You you go to get a beer, you get back from to the living room, and they're already punting the ball. There's just – it just seems there's no, uh, there's no imagination to that offense, and I know that it's not just – uh, about that. I know that they might not have the skill players, the offensive line, and, and the defense is clearly in transition at this at this stage. But you put the whole thing together, it's like the Seahawks don't matter right now. No. They, and that's that's a big change from what we've gotten used to over the last five or six years. I think you put it well that they don't matter. They're no longer a glamour franchise. And when you look at that game Monday night without Bobby Wagner, without K.J. Wright, without Doug Baldwin, this is a bottom three NFL roster. With the Bills and the Cardinals, I think that the Seahawks are that bad without that trio. Mm. Uh, I would I would say I did a piece on zero and two teams for CBSSports.com this past week, and I nice was just plug. sort of digging into that. Well, yeah, I mean, Let's people want to read it. Yeah, yeah, yeah of course, educating uh, America. But you know, I thought it was really interesting because you know we had this stretch. Um, in like the mid 2000s where there were a bunch of these teams that, that came back from 0-2 and made the playoffs. And then there was a three or four year stretch where it didn't happen. And we've had one team every single year since 2013 do it. The Panthers did it in 2013. Um, I, I didn't, I obviously don't remember the piece well enough to, to name every team. <laughs> the Saints did it last year, but th- looking at it, the common concepts of these teams were that they had a, a good quarterback most of the time. I think Ryan Tannehill was the only exception with that Dolphins team. And Dolphins fans at, are going to be up in your mentions. <laughs> well, I mean, you know, but like mostly it's like Cam Newton, Andrew Luck, uh, you know, Russell Wilson. Oh no, I know. Sorry, the only exception was Brian Hoyer. The Texans did it as well. But in that, in that mallet, when they benched Mallet after his alarm clock incident. <laughs> uh, but the uh, but the, they also had veteran coaches. And if you looked at their first two games, they ended up playing teams that were better than we thought they were, uh, or, or at least ended up being pretty good and, and sort of maybe maybe the team. So I guess my point here is with the Seahawks. I wonder if it's possible that the Broncos and Bears, both of whom the Seahawks had to play on the road, might end up having top 10 or top five defenses. And we look back on this te- the Seahawks team and say, all right, they did end up making a run. I'm not saying they're good. Right. I just feel like Russell Wilson and Pete Carroll, if I were picking – out of the out of the teams that are currently 0 and 2, I think you would either have to pick the Seahawks or the Texans as a team to make a playoff run. That's fair. That's fair. Yeah. That, that those defense both can end up being the stories of the season uh, or big storylines in the season. All right, let's go one more time. Uh, Will then Wes Brinson hit us with a Brin yeah. bomb. Well, so the biggest revelation of 2018 for me versus 2017 is that I'm off this Chargers bandwagon, and man, does it feel so freaking good! <laughs> I mean, I, I wish Greg was t- here for this. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah, I, I said that I was, I was like, I said I was renouncing my Chargers pick after the, uh, I think it was the Jason Verrett ACL tear. It's just, yeah. it's not worth it anymore. Like I'm, maybe it's, maybe it's my bad juju, or like maybe it's me and Philip Rivers. You know, both were at NC State at the same time. So That's probably what it is. It probably is the bad juju that coming from NC State. Like it's it's totally possible. Um, and so I decided to renounce my Chargers pick. I, I ended up. Um, well, I guess you can't say this because it's an NFL.com podcast. But like, I have a friend. Give it a shot. Who, I had a friend who went and and wagered on the Chiefs to win the division out in Las Vegas, uh, and, and on the Chiefs over. 
And so I'm rooting for my friend to win. Sure. And so so therefore, I'm, I'm inherently rooting for the Chiefs. And I picked the Chiefs to go to the Super Bowl. And it feels so much better. Like, it's, it's like if I were to teach my four-year-old son to be a um, – to like, like to be a, a Carolina basketball fan instead of an NC State basketball fan. Like he just just doesn't know anything but winning. Like right. that's just I mean, and it's and it's just the Chiefs are just better coached. I don't have to worry about these stupid Chargers losses uh, every September. I know they beat the the I know they beat the the Bills this past week, but they're gonna you know get run over by the Rams. And and I gotta tell you, I, I'm on board with this Chiefs idea, and it's it's fun to be ahead of the curve on the Patrick Mahomes bandwagon. Easily um, one of the two or three best stories of the first two weeks. Chris Corciani and Rodney Monroe called. You're out of the club. You're persona non grata. Corch is my boy. Is I love Corch. Yeah, yeah, I love watching him. I think he it's a smart move. Because I, 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 I don't think there's a, I don't think there's a reality where the Chargers stick it to you and win a Super Bowl. The Chargers are always going to charge her, and you just don't want to be involved with that. Why should you be? Right, exactly. Like, look, I, I'm here for Philip Rivers winning a Super Bowl. It would be awesome. Um, you know, it would, it would, it would be a highlight. Like he's one of my five favorite athletes to ever watch up there with, um, you know, other notable, uh, like, like, like Phil Mickelson and, and John Smoltz and Greg Maddox. I mean, but like you know, Rivers bunch is right whites. there. Yeah. But other <laughs> bunch of white dudes. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Uh, and, uh, it would be awesome. Let's to watch dig into that. Yeah. Like, can we unpack that? <laughs> sure. Well, um, all right. So I, I, Greg's, I like Ode Nixon too. There you go, you're covered. <laughs> That's all you needed to do, Will. Now you're good. Greg, Otis Nixon was Greg's still speedster. driving that bandwagon, and I'm like just in the passenger seat deciding whether to open the door and roll out. But yeah. so far I I am all I'm along for the ride. We'll see what happens. But I, I think they're a playoff team still. Uh what is uh, oh, sorry. sorry, Will, say it. No, no I, you I, do too. I agree. I do too. I think they need to get Joey Bosa back in a big way. I, I agree with you on uh, the Derwin James hype there, Wes. This guy is—he's so special. Watching him as a as a freshman at Florida State, he can play like eight out of eleven positions on wow. the defense, the ball, and he's a, and he's a freaking safety. So yeah. it, I, I'm excited for that. Uh, take us home, Wes. The catch rule's fixed. That's different. Uh, you, or or have we just not had the controversial play yet that exposes it it makes sense it's just that all of the confusion that went into that labyrinthine role that nobody could figure out and there was no clarity that's now the you can't sack a quarterback role that's what's changed to me about 2018 and I'm a little miffed about it that you have rules and nobody the catch rule always bothered me because it's not just the fans who don't understand the players and coaches don't understand what the rule is and now this rule the Clay Matthews hit I didn't watch it when we talked about it Sunday during the after the game. I'm really miffed about this. I have no idea what a defender's supposed to do. So you either have to change the rule and make quarterbacks off limits like kickers and punters after they throw the ball, you just can't hit them, or you have to allow them to hit them in the midsection. And I don't, I don't know what's going on. So to me, all of the confusion was on the catch rule. This rule is now equally as confusing. It's just a different rule. That's that, different. Isn't that annoying though? It's it's just like uh, you close one door and yes. or like the what's the thing where the what are those stupid things in the ground? The animals. The, the whack-a-mole. The whack-a-mole situation. Yeah. Why do we have to have a whack-a-mole scenario? You know what really gets me? It's whack a rule. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know what really <laughs> whack a rule? I like that one. <laughs> what really annoys me is not only did the the Clay Matthews uh, penalty should that have never happened, instead of the NFL owning it and being like. Listen, we're trying to teach these guys not to go for the head. Do not go for the quarterback's knees uh, and their legs. And then you flag a guy for taking a guy down in the midsection area, and then you stand behind it and double down and say, this is what we're going to use as a teaching tool, this play, uh, you know, for future seasons. That, to me, just makes it all the more frustrating. Like, how do you not see that that is not a way to enforce rules? I don't get it. There's an extra layer of frustration for me because – Following sports for the last 30 years, the NFL was always at the vanguard of positive change to make the game more entertaining, to make to advance the game. And just over the last five years, the rule changes have made the game worse, I think. And it's and I get the safety rules. You're always going to have to do that. But either make him off limits or don't. But there has to be clarity in rules. Your thoughts, Will? Well, I got two thoughts on it. One – why did you wait until week 
three to, or like week two to, to issue this teaching tape. This was something you have seven friggin' months of the off season to, to let these guys know you have all these, we have to go to these owners meetings like seven times a year. The owners have to fly in private jets to go meet together, <laughs> talk about the rules and debate the rules and debate, you know, national anthem policies. And we can't sit down and have the competition committee hammer out what is going to be roughing the passer and what isn't. So that way, you know, at practice and at, you know, training camp, they can train and practice these techniques and get them instituted amongst the teams and to, to slide this Aaron Rodgers thing at the last second without really talking about it after they slid the helmet rule in under under the a, a veil of darkness and then to drop this this bomb on, on everybody and say no this is this perfectly formed tackle is going to be illegal on a, you know in the in between week two and three is, is very discouraging I, I will say um had Von Miller on my podcast on Wednesday, the Pick Six podcast. Yeah, wow. I heard about that. That's a good get, Will. <laughs> well, yeah, he, he was promoting Old Spice. Um, <laughs> it's fine. Uh, wait, you, did but, you get the Old Spice plug in at the top, or did you wait till the bottom till he got really antsy whether or not it was going to come? Oh no, always, I always wait to the end. Always. <laughs> I like it. Wait, toying with the PR people. Yes. Who, you know, well yeah, done. Like, the worst is when they jump in. They're like, oh, excuse me, we need to get the play. It's like, hey, pal, like, I'm a pro too. Here, Let right? me run the show. Get back in the yeah. cabin. <laughs> but, 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 yeah, yeah. But Vaughn pointed out, I thought this was fascinating. He said that he has taught himself or his, his goal when he gets into the pocket to go to the quarterback is to focus on the ball. So, like, in the situation with Cousins, he wouldn't have gone low at Cousins. He would have gone high after the ball trying to knock it down. And I think that you can – even though – like if Clay Matthews had like launched his helmet at, at, at high and it hit Kirk Cousins or something, it would have gone south and he would have gotten flagged for it. But if he'd thrown his arms up and dove at Kirk Cousins' arm while the ball was still there, I bet he doesn't get flagged. So I, I, I disagree with the rule, but I, I thought that Vaughn made an interesting point that if you are constantly seeking out the ball as a defender, you're probably not likely to get a flag. Well, kudos to the Pick 6 podcast on this one because that is an interesting point. And maybe we will see, because you put this out there with Vaughn Miller, Maybe other defenders will hear this and start altering their sack style. Chris Wessling, will you write an NFL.com post about the Pick 6 podcast interview with Von Miller? I'm assigning work. Ooh, I've already almost. got 17 jobs. I don't almost. need an 18th. Will, um, you're delightful. We love you. And it's not just because you can hang with us when we belly up to the bar uh, at these various league events. Uh, in fact, Will is a, a leader when at these events he's <laughs> a guy that, like he's like the pied on, piper you could count on will this is the thing i love about will uh despite his excellent football knowledge he's one of those studs that at these league events that it does involve there's a social aspect to it and people go out and they'll tie one on and have a good time will's <laughs> that guy when you get to radio row the next morning and you're feeling not too well will is clear he's wearing his oxford shirt and, and he looks – his hair is fine, and he's doing a live hit for CBS. And, and Will's the guy that, like, it doesn't matter how hard he goes the night before, that guy's locked in the next morning. And I always respected that uh, about you, Will. Well, thanks. I went huge last night, if you guys haven't. <laughs> I, uh, I've seen Will doubled over in laughter at some of Sessler's bits when he gets wound up. <laughs> so, Will – go ahead. Well, the last, well, no, the last time we hung out, we were uh, – it was – it was in Orlando at the owners' meetings. I know we've talked about this incident, but uh, it was Dan. It was me, Dan, and Mark, like hanging, hanging late at the bar. I mean, you guys are flying up the next morning. And, oh, that um, was rough. That's when Mark slid into that little the the group with. Um, <laughs> it was like Doug Marone and Sean Payton and Sessler. <laughs> and they're just, what uh, do you do here? I like, don't know. I was just watching for a distance. Like Mark, what are you doing? He just had his hands up with a big smile. Yeah, it was incredible. He's um, like, all right, Will Brinson, uh, follow him on, on Twitter, at Will Brinson, a great follow. He's a senior NFL writer for CBS Sports. And, yes, the Pick 6 Pod, which is a daily NFL podcast, uh, so subscribe to that, iTunes, or wherever you get your uh, podcast. Thank you, Will. You're the man. Thanks, Will. See you, guys. And there he goes, Will Brinson. Love that guy. Um, That's awesome. We are. We have come to the end of another edition of the Around the NFL podcast. We will be back tomorrow, late tomorrow night, uh, with a recap of Browns and Jets, and then a pre a preview of all of the Week Three games, as we are wont to do. So uh, that's it. Uh, uh, get well soon to Mark Sessler, uh, and uh, let us go. This is Dan Hanley signing off for the Mailman. Lindsey Rhodes. 
Kardashian accent. <laughs> the Brin Bomb and the loose cannon behind the glass. Still Thursday. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish spring body wash and bar soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. I'm so excited to tell you JCPenney and country music singer-songwriter Walker Hayes are partnering together on a new limited-time men's collection for the everyday guy. What I love about Walker Hayes is his laid-back nature. He's a family man and being a country megastar while also having seven kids. You know he likes to keep his style cool and casual. This new collection is perfect for the guy living the t-shirt life or someone wanting some fresh options that feel just as good. It's easy to wear affordable styles that celebrate the ultimate family man along with the quality, durability, and sensibility dads appreciate. Available online Saturday, May 4th at jcp.com and in-store Thursday, May 16th. Just in time for Father's Day. Limited time only. JCPenney, make it count. Hey guys, you know what this playground could use? A wine country, huh? A redwood forest would be cool. Ski slopes! Wait! Did we just invent California? Discover why California is the ultimate playground at visitcalifornia.com.